You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's give Brother Renfro a Victory Baptist welcome as he comes to preach. Amen. And we're thankful for you. And uh, we thank Amen. the Lord for your faithfulness and thank the Lord Amen. for the blessing you've been to our church. Amen, Pastor Coconut. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Well, I tell you, it's a joy to be back at Victory Baptist Church. Amen. And I love Pastor Coconut and his family. I love this ministry. And uh, we pray for you. And I've been praying for you for a number of years now. And we're so grateful uh, to be back with you again tonight. And I count it an honor and a privilege to be with you. I really mean that. Uh, some folks have asked about our children. We have four children, two boys and two girls. And our two boys are married and moved on. And, uh, and my oldest son, he is pastoring in South Carolina, in Greenwood, South Carolina. And uh, we have our two girls. Uh, they're still at home. My oldest girl is 19. And my youngest girl will be 16 in August, and she's driving already. And so I'll tell you what, these, these years just go by in a hurry. They really do. Now, that means we're getting older, doesn't it? And, uh, but anyway, it's good to be with you tonight. So thankful that you're here. And uh, I'll try not to preach very long, but I want to give you something tonight. I hope it will be an encouragement to you. And I hope you'll be able to leave tonight encouraged uh, from what God has for us in His precious Word. You know, we get so, uh, in this world, there's so much that can beat us down. There's so much that can discourage us and depress us. Uh, I tell people often that if you want to be discouraged, just look at the news. And uh, if you want to be encouraged, you come to the house of God. And you hear the Word of God, and that encourages you as the people of God. And so tonight, I just want to give you a few things from the Word of God that I hope will encourage you. And I hope you'll be able to leave tonight and say, wow, it's been good to be in God's house. And I really want to encourage you tonight and let God speak to your heart. And i got to bless you in a good way. We're going to be in Acts chapter number 9, if you would please. Acts chapter number 9. And uh, you have, uh, if you've been in church any length of time, you're certainly familiar uh, with this passage of Scripture. And uh, Acts chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to begin reading at verse number 20. I would like to read the whole chapter, but because of time, we'll not do that. And, uh, and so, just give you some things tonight. And, uh, and, and it is good to see familiar faces. Some of you I do remember, some of you I don't remember, uh, but it is good to see you tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this Sunday evening, and uh, we just trust God to help us from His Word. Acts chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse number 20 of Acts 9. We'll read some verses here, and then uh, again, just want to give you some things, take with you, and I hope that will encourage you in the days ahead. And You know, we, we come on Sunday, we come on Wednesday to get our, uh, get our batteries recharged, and uh, we hope that's what it'll do for you tonight as you start Monday and then Tuesday at work and then you come back Wednesday and get your batteries recharged and then you go back out Thursday and Friday and, and uh, we need that. We need our batteries recharged. We need our encouragement uh, from God's Word. And so we hope tonight that this will be just that very thing. Acts chapter number 9, verse number 20. And uh, notice what the Bible says here. It says, And straightway he, that is referring to Saul, later Paul, uh, preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And uh, I believe that tonight. How about you? I believe he is the Son of God. 
And uh, thank God, I'm glad that he is. Verse 21, it says, But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? Came hither and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. I want you to notice verse 25 and notice what it says here. It says, Then the disciples took him by night, that is Paul, and let him down by the wall in a basket. Tonight I want to preach just for a little while on this thought, Paul and the basket case. Paul and the basket case. Please understand what I did not say. I didn't say Paul the basket case. But I said Paul and the basket case. And I believe we can draw some lessons from it tonight that I hope it will be a blessing to Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful for the privilege to be in your house tonight. And Father, thank you for the good singing, the choir and the congregational singing, the special singing. And Father, what a blessing it was to our heart. Thank you for Pastor Coburnett. Father, thank you for this good ministry. And Lord, we just pray that tonight that you will speak to us and speak through us. And Father, I pray that we'll leave the house of God rejoicing in the good things of our Savior. Father, we would pray if there's anybody in our midst tonight that does not know Christ as their Savior. And Father, we would ask that you would deal with that heart and that God tonight would be the night of salvation. Father, as believers, may we leave encouraged. Father, may we leave rejoicing in the good things of God. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. Fill me with the good Spirit of God. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. As most of you know tonight, Acts chapter number 9, it is dealing with the salvation of Saul, which later became Paul. Uh, chapter number 9 in your Bible is a very interesting chapter. It's a very important chapter. Matter of fact, it's a very pivotal chapter. It, it is a strategic chapter in our King James Bible. I heard a preacher a few years ago, he was stressing the importance of Acts chapter number 9, and here's what he said as he was referring to its importance. He said, if you were to take Acts chapter number 9 out of your Bible, it would be like taking the stars out of the sky. He said, it would be like taking the cream out of the milk. He said it would be like taking the keys off of the piano. In other words, the point he was making was that Acts chapter number 9 is a vital, pivotal, paramount chapter in the Word of God. You say, preacher, what makes this chapter so very important? Well, you know tonight that Saul was saved by the good grace of God in this chapter. You realize tonight that he was called the apostle to the Gentiles. Do you know what we are tonight? 
We're Gentiles. You say, preacher, what's so very important about that? I'm glad that God called Paul. He saved him by his good grace. And God called him to preach. And Paul began to reach out to the Gentiles. What Paul started in the book of Acts, thank God it's been carried on from that time to this day. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I believe tonight because of the apostle Paul and because of his salvation, I'm glad, thank God, that we could be here tonight because of the wonderful grace of God. God in Paul's life. As you read this chapter, it's very interesting. You'll find that Paul was saved by the good grace of God. Later, you're going to find that Paul was filled with the Spirit of God. And by the way, that is the order. You get saved first, and then you're filled with the Spirit of God next. You say, preacher, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? It means that we're to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Let me show you the flip side of that. If I'm not controlled by the Spirit of God, then you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I'm controlled by me. I'm controlled by self. I'm controlled by the flesh. But if I'm controlled by the Spirit of God, then God Almighty can take my life and use me for the glory of God Almighty. What do we find in Acts chapter number 9? He's saved by the good grace of God. He's filled with the Spirit of God. Then he follows the Lord in believer's baptism. And then he begins to preach Christ Jesus the Lord. I believe that's the order tonight. You get saved, you get filled, baptized, and then you begin to tell others about Jesus Christ. By the way, we've got a good message. Amen. What is that message, preacher? The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad tonight that the gospel has not lost one iota of its power. I'm glad the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll take a drunk man and make him sober. It'll take a dope addict and put him in his right mind. It can take a fornicator and clean him up. It can take an adulterer and an adulteress and clean him up. It can take a marriage and put it back together again. It can take a home and put that home back together again. I'm glad, thank God, it can take a lost church member and save that church member and cause that church member to be faithful to God. Thank God tonight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. But I want you to see something in this chapter uh, very quickly tonight. That Paul here, uh, they're going to kill Paul. That was their plans. And by the way, God thwarted their plans. Amen. I'm glad he did. Notice in verse 24, it says, But their laying await was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and laid him down by the wall in a basket. So tonight I want to preach on that thought, Paul and the basket case. What kind of lessons, what kind of applications can we make from this passage of Scripture concerning Paul and the basket case. You say, preacher, I, and by the way, I've never heard a message on Paul and the basket case. And you say, what kind of, what kind of lessons can we learn about Paul and this event in his life? I want to give you several tonight. Give you five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve examples, lessons. No, I'm just kidding, just a few. I won't keep you very long. But just give you some things tonight. I hope it'd be a blessing to you. What can we learn from Paul and the basket case that we can apply to us in 2022? By the way, I'm glad the Bible's relevant. Aren't you glad the Bible is relevant to us in 2022? People say, well, you know, that Bible, you know, it was written so many years ago and, and uh, it doesn't, it's not really relevant to us today. Oh, yes, it is. 
Oh, yeah, that's why you're here tonight, because you believe that it is. The Bible is relevant to us in 2022, and I'm glad, hallelujah, that we've got the good Word of God to help us to walk in this old low land of sorrow. Let me give you some things tonight. How does this Paul in the basket case, how does it apply to us? Number one, first of all, the first thing I want you to see is this. Anytime you and I exalt Jesus Christ, you can expect the devil and his crowd to get mad. Anytime we exalt, I mean lift him up, praise him, honor him, I mean put him on a pedestal, you can mark it down, the devil and his crowd He's going to get mad. You say, what are you talking about? Look, if you would, please, at verse number 20 again. It says, in straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he? Referring back to Saul, that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength. Notice that. And confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. What, what is he doing? He is just magnifying Christ. He is lifting up Christ. He is proving to these people that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that the Old Testament prophets, prophets prophesied would come. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one that's going to die. He is the Isaiah 53 one that's going to suffer and is going to be marred beyond man. This is the one. And so what Saul does is he reaches back into the Old Testament scriptures and proves to them that this is the one. Amen. Hey, aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is the Christ? Thank God I'm glad he's the Christ. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to simply say this, that Jesus is the only Savior. There are not many saviors. There's only one Savior, and Jesus Christ is it. I mean, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I mean, He's the definite way. He's the definite truth. He's the definite life. If a person's going to get to God the Father, they've got to come through Jesus Christ. He is the only way they're going to get to the Father. I know there's some people say, well, if I join the church, I'll, I can get to the Father. Oh, no. People say, well, if I get baptized, I'll, I'll get to the Father in heaven. Oh, no. There's only one way to get to the Father, and Jesus Christ is the that way. He's that way. And I hope tonight you've trusted him as your personal Savior. I tell you, it's wonderful to be saved. Thank God. For, are you glad you're saved tonight? Oh man, I'm telling you, it's wonderful to be saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God I'm glad 30, 34 years, 35 years ago, God saved me at age 17. I just turned 53 and I'm telling you what, listen, it is wonderful, brother, to ask you to be saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that heaven's your home, knowing, thank God, you're never going to lose your salvation. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's God. Thank God tonight for his wonderful, wonderful message. So here's Here's what we find about Paul in the basket case. We find that number one, whenever you exalt Jesus Christ, you can expect the devil to get mad. You say, what do you mean? I exalt him. You know, if you exalt Jesus Christ here at victory, the devil doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. If you exalt Jesus in your marriage, 
The devil doesn't like that. If you exalt Jesus in your personal life, the devil does not like that. You see, whenever we lift him up, and by the way, he's worthy. He's worthy to be exalted. He's worthy to be lifted up. Man's not worthy to be lifted up. Come on now, amen. There's only one that is worthy to be lifted up and exalted, and that's Jesus Christ. Why? Because of what he did for us nearly 2,000 years ago on the cross. His coming, he died, buried, resurrected. You know the gospel account. I'm telling you, that's why he's worthy. That's why he's worthy to be exalted and lifted up because of what he's done in your life and in my life. I'm just simply saying tonight, church, whenever we lift him up, I mean, whenever we point people to him, whenever we exalt him and lift him up, that the devil does not like that. He does not like that at all. Number one, so first of all, here's what we learn about Paul in the basket case. Every time you exalt Jesus Christ, the devil and his crowd, they are going to get mad. By the way, I wonder why that name so offends people. You ever wonder about that? You know, people say, you know, well, uh, here, here's what the world says by and large. Well, he's not real anyway. But you know, when you bring his name up, they get nervous. You know, if, if he's not real and there's nothing to him, why do they get so nervous when you bring his name up? Yeah. It's kind of like that Bible right there. They say, well, you know, don't bring your Bible to school. And by the way, I, you can bring your Bible to school. If I was in school, I'd bring mine. Now, come on, now, y'all don't die on me tonight now, amen? Good lands. I'm telling you right now, hey, listen, don't we live in a free country? So far. Right? I'm telling you right now, if, if there's nothing to the Bible, why do you get so nervous when you pull it out? I mean, if there's nothing, if there's, if the Word of God, there's nothing to the Word of God, and I mean, it's all fables, and it's all myths, why do you get so nervous when you pull out the Bible? You know why? Because I believe that deep down in their soul, it makes them kind of nervous. Because they know there's something to that book. I'm telling you what, there is something to that book. It's God's book. That's the Word of God, Amen. Absolutely is the Word of God. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, first of all, whenever you lift up Jesus Christ, whenever you exalt the name of God, you mark it down. The devil does not like it. Let me give you number two very quickly. What's the second lesson we learn about Paul in the basket case? Here it is. The safest place, the most satisfying place, the most thrilling place in your life and mine is right in the center of the will of God. Right dead in it. If I can use it, Eastern North Carolina, if I can say it like Eastern North Carolina, right plumb in it. <laughs> Amen? Do you want to be happy tonight? Say, preacher, I sure love to be happy. I'll tell you how you can be happy. Find the will of God and do it. You say, preacher, I'll tell you what, I sure like my marriage to be what it ought to be. I would like it to be stronger. I'll tell you what you do. Let both of you get the will of God and it'll be stronger. You say, I sure like my home to be a better place. I'll tell you how that can happen. You find the will of God, get in the will of God, and I mark it, I mark it down. Your home will be what it ought to be. Your marriage will be what it ought to be. Find the will of God, do the will of God, and you'll be happy. Yeah. Amen. You say, where do you find that? Look what it says in verse 24. It says, but their laying awake was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. You say, preacher, where do you find the will of God there? Watch this if you would. Paul was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was right in church. He was right in the will of God. 
He was doing what God wanted him to do. And by the way, you realize tonight that nothing can happen to you in the will of God until God, until God allows that? And let me say it this way. You're indispensable until God's done with you. When you get in the will of God, I mean get in the will of God, that is a safe place to be. That is a satisfying place to be. And that's exactly, that's exactly where Saul was. He was right in the will of God, doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Hey, listen, let me say this tonight. I understand tonight that it's not the will of God for everybody to preach. Because if it was the will of God for everybody to preach, we have nobody to preach to. But I'm saying to you tonight, God has a perfect will for you. God has a specific will for you. You say, preacher, what is God's will for my life? I cannot tell you specifically what God's will is for you personally, but the truth of the matter is God has a specific will for your life. You seek the face of God, find out what that is, and I'll guarantee you you'll be happy in the will of God. Amen. What is the will of God? Well, let me, let, me, let me mention a few things very quickly that I know is the will of God. It's the will of God that folks get saved. Amen. Amen. What does that mean? That means if you're here tonight and you're not saved, this is the will of God you get saved. Isn't that right, church? Amen. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, he's not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, he's not willing that any should perish. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, he, he wants all men to be saved and come into the knowledge. He said, preacher, I tell you what, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks and so was I. But I'm glad, thank God, I reached down one day and he saved me by his marvelous grace. I'm so glad, hallelujah, he saw where I was. He came to where I was. He saw me in my sin. He saw me in my filth. He saw me in my ungodliness and he came to where I was and thank God he lifted me out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a solid rock. He put a new song in my mouth, even praising to our God. I'm telling you right now, church tonight, it's wonderful to be saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah for salvation tonight. Do you know him as your personal Savior? Someone made this statement a few years ago. They said life begins at 40. I got news for you. No, life does not begin at 40. Life begins when you get born again by the good grace of God. That's when life begins. When you get saved by the grace of God, that's when life begins. Amen. I used to think I was living it up for, for 17 years. I thought, man, I tell you, this is the life. Until one day I heard about Jesus Christ and what he went through on the cross. And I said, my God, my sins did that to him. You know what, church, listen, when I got saved at 17, can I just throw, is it okay if I throw this out? Okay, if I say this, you say, what are you going to say, preacher? I'll, I'll tell you, and then I'll ask you how to say it. Well, right, listen, I remember as a 17-year-old rebel, I remember sitting in church, and I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but one Sunday, my dad took me and my sister to church, and I remember it just like it was yesterday. We were sitting in the house of God, and the man of God got up to preach from Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He preached on crossing God's three deadlines. I sit down and listen to that message, and he gave a vivid picture of the cross of Calvary. He talked about the agony that Jesus went through. He talked about the suffering that Jesus went through. And then an invitation, he said, is there anybody in here that wants to be saved by the grace of God? My dad turned to me and said, boy, do you want to be saved? And I looked at him and said, yes, sir. I want to be saved. I stepped out in the aisle. I came forward. And I'm telling you right now, church, that Sunday morning that I got saved, Pastor Coburnett, I did not see Jesus dying for the world. I saw Jesus dying for this sinner right here. And God saved me by his marvelous grace. Hallelujah to God. I'm saying this tonight. If you're here and you're not saved, you ought to get saved. That's the will of God. You get saved. Let me give you number two. Sanctification is the will of God. You say, preacher, what in the world is sanctification? Just live right. Yeah. 
Isn't that right? He wants us to live holy, doesn't he? Now, let me, can I say this and don't miss me now because I, I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Listen closely. Sanctification is more than what you wear. Five of you agree. <laughs> Sanctification is more than what you wear. There's a little bit more. I'll say it a third time. Sanctification is more than what you put on your body. That's right. You said, preacher, what is sanctification? It's just being separated from sin unto God. And you know what? Watch this. I find in people's lives and in my life that if I'll just get my heart right, I believe things will kind of fall in place. Y'all believe that? I believe it just fall right in place. You see, what's happening many times is people are trying to conform to some kind of outward, some kind of outward standard. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. That doesn't mean somebody's sanctified. You know what? Listen to me. Your heart can be on a bar stool somewhere and your body in church. What am I saying? I'm saying that sanctification goes deeper than the external. People say, well, if I look good on the outside and if I smile right and I say the right thing, then everybody's going to think I'm sanctified. Not necessarily because I tell you what, man does not see as God sees. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. I'm just telling you tonight, church, that sanctification goes deeper than what you put on your body. Sanctification goes down to the heart. What's the will of God? Here's the will of God. That you get saved. That we live sanctified. Number three, here's the will of God. That we serve Him. You know what Joshua said? As for me and my eyes, we're going to serve the Lord. And by the way, you know, how many, you know how many people he told that? Two to three million. Oh, he just stood up and said, Hey! Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Loud mouth preacher, isn't it? Jesus is the whom you want. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And by the way, listen to this. He meant it. He wasn't trying to impress them. He meant it. Amen. Y'all smile at me. Some of y'all making me nervous now. Smile at me a little bit now. Boy, I'm telling you right now, making me nervous. I'm trying to encourage you. Trying to lift your spirits. So you can go home chomping at the bitch. Woo, man, hallelujah. Can't wait till Monday. Amen. You go to work Monday, come back a little bit dragging, Tuesday a little bit dragging, come to church Wednesday and get those batteries recharged. Man, I can face the rest of the week. Amen. So smile at me a little bit, okay? I'm just about finished. Say, preacher, I wish you'd have got done 10 minutes ago. Let me give you number three, okay? Here's what we learn about Paul in the basket case. Here's the third thing. Listen closely. Don't miss this. Here's the third lesson we learn about Paul in the basket case. Watch this, church. Please don't miss this. God is going to do exactly what God says he's going to do. And the world, the flesh, and the devil won't stop him. Hmm? You say, preacher, where do you see that? You're in chapter number 9. Look at verse 15. Watch verse 15 if you would. Here's what this Lord said concerning Saul as he's speaking to Ananias. He said, Ananias, go thy way. For he, that is Paul, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Watch this if you would. He hadn't fulfilled that commission yet. You say, what are you talking about? In here in Acts chapter number 9, when they let him over the wall in that basket, he had not fulfilled that mission that the Lord Jesus gave him. You say, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. The world, the devil, nor the flesh can stop God from doing exactly what he said he's going to do. By the way, I want to encourage you a little bit like church, okay? You look at the news, you look at this world, and you can get depressed. Listen to me. Do you realize that everything we see in this world is right on time on God's calendar? Think everything's right on time. You say, what are you talking about? I'm, listen, I'm just like you. If you're a red-blooded American and you love this country, I look at this country and I say, dear God, help us. We need help in America. But don't you listen to me. I'm going to tell you one thing. What we see taking place in our world has not, has not gone, has not been missed by God. Everything we see taking place in our world is right on time. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Let me tell you something, church. This world's got to get ready for the Antichrist. So when he steps on it, by the way, when the Antichrist shows up, we're already gone. Hallelujah. What do you mean? The church is already raptured out of here. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And boy, the Antichrist can come and he can have it all. He can have my bank account. It ain't much, but he can have it. He can have my two cars. He can have my club. I'm gone. Preacher, I'm gone. Hallelujah. He can have this mess. By the way, all this mess is going to melt with fervent heat anyway. Amen? It sure is. Right, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Paul, God is going to work through Paul and God is going to do exactly what he wants to do through Paul and nobody's going to stop him. Let me give you some Bible that'll help us tonight. Listen to this. In Acts 23, 11, here's what, here's what the Lord Jesus said to Paul. He said, Paul, as thou hast testified of me at Jerusalem, so must thou testify of me at Rome also. Church, do you know what happened in Acts, in Acts, 20, Acts 27? They got on the ship and they were going to go across the sea. And as they were going across the sea, the storm Eurachlodon came on the sea. Do you know what the people started doing? They started throwing things overboard. They got scared. I mean, they started lightening the ship. Do you know what? Some of those men were getting ready to do. They were getting ready to jump overboard. And here's what, here's what Paul said. He said, you stay in this ship. If you stay in this ship, all 276 of you are going to be saved. But if you jump out, you're going to perish. And I'm paraphrasing. But here's what he said to them. Here's the storm. They're lightening the ship. They're trying to do everything they can to get some help. And listen to what Paul says. Watch this, church. Watch this. Won't you listen to what Paul said? You ready for this? When you, by the way, when I think about Paul, I think about somebody that is, a, that is, that is an encourager. He's a pessimist. He, he's, I believe that Paul was the kind of man that you just love to be around. You say, what do I mean? He was just a bubbling believer, singing saint, cheerful Christian. I believe Paul was the kind of man that when you saw him coming, you said, Woohoo, I can't wait to get here. Paul was the kind of man. He looked better coming than going. Now, I, listen, I've met some people along the way. Someone, someone said this one time. They said, some people bring joy wherever they go. And some people bring joy whenever they go. Huh? You ever met people like that? Have you ever met any sour pusses? Boy, I sure have. 
You don't, you listen, you're not in the ministry for 29 years without meeting a sourpuss here and there. And boy, I have met them. You can mark it down. I mean, they come by, you think the world has fallen apart. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you're washing the blood of Jesus Christ. You're going to heaven. Thank God. Hallelujah. Rejoice. I've seen them. Amen. But I believe Paul, but here's what Paul did. And I got to hurry up. Man, I got to hurry up. Here's what Paul said to them. He said to those men on the, on the ship, he said, fellas, I was with God tonight. And, he's, and I'm paraphrasing Paul. He said, Paul, basically he said, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. Yeah. Remember now, they're in the storm. He said, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. Watch this church. And here's what Paul said to them. He said, hey, cheer up. The ship's going down. Huh? Paul, what'd you say? Cheer up! The ship's going down. But every one of you are going to be saved. You're going to make it safe. Hey, you know what, church? Let me just say this. I think we ought to be responsible. I think we ought to take care of everything we have. I think we ought to work and labor and be responsible and try to have the best things we can have in life if it's possible. But don't you listen to me, church. Don't you listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You just as well cheer up because this ship that we're living in, it's going to go down. So I tell you what you do. Just smile. It's going down. You say, what do you mean? One of these days, this mess is going to melt with fervent heat. Isn't that what the Bible says? So what? Just be happy. Rejoice. Y'all, I remember when I was going up. Y'all remember that little cartoon? Uh, that, that little dog. Uh, he always had that little flag. And Y'all remember that little uh, Droopy. And some of the young people look at me like, huh? Uh, droopy. Y'all remember that cartoon? Uh, old Droopy. He was, he was just, a, I think he was a basset hound. It's a cartoon. And, and, and he, he would do this when he got happy. He had a little flag he carried around with him. Y'all mean that little flag he carried? And he'd get happy. He'd say, hooray, hooray, hooray. <laughs> Boy, he looked happy, didn't he? Hooray, hooray. And do you know what? Sometimes I'm afraid of, uh, if you're not careful, we can kind of be like that, don't you? Oh, hooray, I'm happy. I'm just really happy. Yeah. Hey, let me say this, church, and I, and I don't want you to, I don't want to misunderstand. I don't want you to misunderstand. And I, I understand this. We go through trials. Sure. We go through storms in life. There are things that come in our life that just, I'm telling you, they devastate us. They knock the props out from under us. But don't you listen to me, church. We've got somebody living inside of us the world doesn't have. And you can mark this down. Whenever your ship's in a storm, there's somebody on board that'll never forsake you. I'm glad he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. Thank God I'm glad he's on board. And whatever comes your way, hallelujah, he'll be with you through the storm. Amen. So here's what we're saying tonight. We're saying that God's going to perform his will. You say, what do you mean by that? You know what God's going to do? He's going to save whosoever shall call upon him. You know what God's going to do? One day he's coming back to get to church. Nothing going to stop him. Amen. Let me give you another one very quickly. We're closing. Number four. Let me give you a fourth thing. We're talking about Paul in the basket case. What are some lessons we learned about Paul in the basket case? Let me give you number four. Watch this one. Don't miss this one. Are you ready for this one? Number four. God is not asleep when his children are in trouble. God is not asleep when his children are in trouble. Look at verse 25, would you? Watch what it says here. uh, verse, uh, Verse 25, it says, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. You know what they were going to do? They were going to kill him. The Jews were going to kill him. 
Do you know they, they were going to kill Paul and what they did, the disciples, they let Paul down in a basket outside the wall so he could escape. Here's what I'm saying tonight, church. Listen to this, and I hope this will encourage you. God is not asleep when his children are in trouble, when his children have faced hard times, when his children are going through some difficult times. The God the Father is not asleep. You say, well, preacher, he never sleeps or slumber. I understand that, but you understand the point I'm making. He's got his eyes on you. In that wonderful night, he's got his eyes on you. And you know what? Watch this, church. Let, let God speak to you right here, okay? He knows you personally. I mean, he knows you personally. Now, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't do something for you, man, your gunpowder's soaking wet. If that doesn't stir you up, man, I mean, you're dead as four o'clock and don't know it. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, he knows you personally. Like when you get in your car and go home, say, whoa, man, God knows me personally. Wow. Whoa. And nothing will come into my life but God knows about it. Whatever trial, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, whatever you and I go through, God knows what we're going through. He knows you personally. You say, how do you know that? You're one of his children. I had four children. I mentioned a few moments ago. And boy, I tell you what, I know where they are. When they were growing up, know where they are. My eyes on them. And I say tonight that God has his eyes on you. He knows where you are. And I'm sure tonight there's some troubled hearts in the auditorium going through some difficulties, some pain in life. We all do. But here's the good news, church. God the Father, he knows it. And he's got you in his sights. Let me give you another one, number five, very quickly. What did we learn about Paul in the basket case? Number five, here it is. We learn what's big to God. You say, preacher, what did you say? We learn what's really big to God. You say, preacher, what's really big to God? Look at verse 15 again. Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Would you look this way momentarily, church? Let me tell you what's big to God. Are you ready? This is, what, this is what's big to God. People are. Souls. Lost people. People that do not know him. That's what's big. To God. You say, where do you get that from? Watch this. God, watch it, church. God watched over Paul and guided him and guarded him and led him. And I'll tell you why, one of the reasons why he did that. He did that because the Lord knew that there's somebody out there that Saul's going to preach to and they're going to get saved. There's somebody out there that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's going to be my mouthpiece to tell them about my dear son, Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm saying, church, tonight. You know what? Here's what we learn about Paul in the basket case. We learn what's really, really important to God. 
And here's what's important to God. People are. Matter of fact, that's why he came to die, isn't it? Didn't he come to die for folks? Didn't he come to die for souls? Let me make it personal. He came to die for you. Matter of fact, I'll make it, I'll make it even more personal. If you were the only one living on planet earth, he would have died for you. Y'all believe that? He would have died for you. If you were the only one living, he would have died for you. You know what's big to God? Let me tell you. It's not money. Hmm? It's not materialism. That's not big to God. You say, why wouldn't that be big to God? Because he owns everything. When you own everything, what, what is money? I tell you what, listen. You know what? The things of this world, they're not big to God. I tell you what's really, really big to God, church, is people, 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 people. Why are people so big to God? I'll tell you why. Because every individual has an eternal soul. They're going to live somewhere forever. Hey, let me say something to you very quickly, just so we can understand it more, more, more specifically and more properly. Listen closely. A thousand years from now, you're going to still be existing. Now, now here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. Not in this body. Thank God for that. These bodies are falling apart. And the older I get, the more I realize it. I'm glad, thank God, a thousand years we won't be in this body. This body is going to go back to the dust, isn't it, church? But a thousand years from now, every one of you is going to be existing. I, let me say it this way. Just a little, just a little, more, a little more umph. A million years you're going to still be existing. Now, that's from a human, that's from a human point of view. Now, from God's point of view, it's like this. You're going to live forever. Huh? Amen? Amen. Let me give you this one. This is the last one. Watch this one if you would. Number six. Here it is. What do we learn about Paul in the basket case? Please don't miss this, church. We learn this. That God, that God, don't miss it. Please don't miss it. That God will make a way of escape. Now, let me make a two-fold application here, and we're finishing, okay? Here's a two-fold application. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, there is an escape from your sin, and Jesus Christ is that escape. But you know what you've got to do? You've got to be willing to take that. You've got to be willing to move. There is an escape for one who's lost in their sin. But watch this now, child of God. He makes a way of escape for you too. When you're tempted... When you're tempted, thank God He makes a way of escape. Aren't you glad of that? And by the way, we are tempted. And by the way, we're going to be tempted until we go to the grave. People say, well, you know, younger people say, well, when I get older, I won't be tempted as me. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. You'll be tempted. If you're 80 years old, you'll be tempted. All the way to the grave. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, church, tonight? Aren't you glad, hallelujah, that whenever the devil comes to tempt us, whenever the flesh tempts us to yield to the flesh, thank God, hallelujah, God has made a way of escape. There's a way of escape. We don't have, I'm, I'm simply saying, we don't have to be defeated. We can live in victory. We don't have to go. We don't have to go through life defeated and depressed and down. We can live in victory. 
Amen for that. Oh, I tell you, that's a great, great blessing. So tonight, Paul and the basket case. Think about that. I hope tonight, church, the message has been a help to you. I really do. I want you to leave tonight rejoicing and say, wow. Oh, we have a great God. He sees me. He helps me. He's with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's by my side. And when their trouble comes, when trials come, when the tests come, I'm glad he is with me. He has a way of escape when I'm tempted. Hallelujah for that tonight, church. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.